0: everyone and welcome to Dead to Rights, the podcast video for the crime genre industry. Today I'm going to be bringing you an interview with a, a very interesting author by the name of Gary Phillips. And if you go to his website, GaryPhillips.com, and that's Phillips with two L's, you're going to find that uh, it really is quite interesting and unique. I think he would consider himself an author of Pulp Fiction, and uh, I'll let his website speak for itself. And I'm now going to bring Gary on the line with us, so please give a big Dead to Rights welcome for Gary Phillips. Hi, Gary. Good to meet you and welcome to Dead to Rights.
1: Oh, well, thank you, Donna. Thank you. Uh, I guess it's uh, semi and bright there in
0: Toronto, is it? It's very bright. It's very hot. It's um, really quite something. We're, we're experiencing a heat wave that is completely unCanadian in nature.
1: Oh, I see. <laughs> I see. Here we go. Where exactly more. are you located? I'm in uh, Los Angeles.
0: Oh wow! So you're used to this kind of heat and sunshine. Uh,
1: yes, I, I and I, uh, I'm very much a uh, uh, L.A. Bo- I was born and raised here. And when I go to uh, cold places such as Toronto or New York in the winter, I. I suffer greatly. I I, I love the heat.
0: <laughs> I bet. I bet it's hard to reacclimatize. It really is. Yes. Uh, we we get some very hot summers here, no question. But I think um, the last couple summers have really kind of beat the bank with it. It's uh, really been quite something. Yes. Now I was visiting your website. What a fantastic place! That's really quite.
1: Uh... <laughs> well, I've got to. I've got to update it. My but my wife is the technical person, so we got to spend some time and get it get it back in shape.
0: It looks really interesting, really very, quite wonderful. I was oh, good. saying in the intro that uh, it's it's well worth visiting. <laughs> Would you consider yourself an author of pulp fiction? Is that... Uh...
1: No, I I guess I'm primarily an author of uh, hard-boiled crime fiction, but certainly in the context or, or I guess in the side uh, venue of that, I uh, I certainly uh, am part of what they call, I guess now they call it the new pulp movement. But yes, yeah, so certainly some of what I write is pulp fiction and certainly I think some pulp sensibilities show up in some of my other work.
0: Well, uh, you know, hard-boiled and noir is, is a, a favorite of mine. I really enjoy it. So tell me a little bit about your latest novel. Uh, for starters, what is it called? I, I know that it features a, a Matthew Hanson, but uh, what is the novel called?
1: The novel is called... Matthew
0: Henson. Oh, it is. Oh,
1: no. <laughs> it's called Ma- it's Matthew Henson in the Ice Temple of Harlem. So it has a very pulp kind of name, uh, and it's set. And as we uh, mentioned, um, Henson was a real life uh, figure, but like a lot of things we do here in America, uh, Donna, we uh, like to reinvent uh, them in mythic. Proportion. I had noticed that. I had <laughs> noticed that. <laughs> that <trend. laughs> right. And so in that, so in that vein, I have now, uh, I think the term is retconned uh, where you go back in and you re- redo the character. I have now uh, reimagined retcon, uh, Mr. Henson, uh, in a story that is set in the tail end of the roaring twenties, uh, specifically 1928, uh, during, uh, what was called the Harlem Renaissance in, in Harlem, in New York, and uh, sort of an intellectual and artistic uh, time uh, during that period. And so in that, uh, in the story, he uh, encounters the likes of gangster Dutch Schultz. Um, Nikola Tesla shows up, uh, Bessie Coleman, who was America's first black uh, aviatrix uh, is his buddy and she helps him out uh, in, in this matter. Uh, as well as several other figures, historical figures, uh, Queenie Saint Clair, I should also mention, who was a very interesting woman, uh, the numbers numbers queen, a numbers mm-hmm. boss of Harlem, uh, and Dutch Schultz is trying to take over the numbers racket. That's sort of one of the subplots in the book.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So all
1: that's in the mix of this, a very much a a, a pulp kind of action adventure story.
0: I'm certainly familiar with Dutch because I've interviewed uh, true crime authors from time to time. Oh wow.
1: <laughs> And
0: they like to talk about Dutch. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So it's Matthew Henson and the ice sculpture. of The, the
1: Ice Army. Temple of Harlem.:
0: The Ice temple of I knew I was getting that wrong, so: no, That's the all right. Temple of Harlem. Okay, <laughs> OK. And is this part of a series?
1: Uh, well, we're going to see Donna, as, as you know, in the book business, uh, it all depends on, on the sales. (laughs) So this is the, so so this is the first one. Uh, I'm hoping that, uh, there are more to come. Uh, I have some notion of possibly doing a graphic novel as a kind of sequel Mm -hmm. to this prose, uh, uh, version, but we'll see, we'll see. Mm -hmm. But yes, one way or the other, I, I think, uh, Matthew will show up uh, in something else uh, d- down the line.
0: He sounds like a fascinating character. And, um, we had recently read, and I cannot come up with the title or even the author. If I could, you would know it. I'm sorry for drawing a blank. But uh, set in that same time period, the yeah. gangster kind of era. And uh, everybody in my family tore through the book. We all just loved it. and
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Sorry, because I'm I'm interested in speaking with you and so I I'm drawing a blank on anything else. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's
1: put it right. that way. Of, uh, exactly that's right. Let's, just saying,
0: is, I, is, I'm uh, having a blonde it, moment or something. Right,
1: that's it. <laughs> Let's just call it that, Donna. That's right. That's it. Right. <laughs> well, it'll come back. But you know when it comes back, it'll be in the middle of something else, or it'll be in the oh, middle okay, of yes. night. And then, that's yeah, course. that's right. That's right. And yeah. then I'll
0: have to drop you an email. Oh my <laughs> goodness, Oh,
1: that's moment. what it was.
0: Exactly. Oh, you'll have heard of it for sure. Yeah. That's it. Being in that genre, exactly. Um, <laughs> tell me a little bit about how you came up with this website of yours. I've been looking at it here this afternoon, and it's—it's it's really quite the labyrinth. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's a bit unintentional. I guess at some point we need to, and believe me, we actually did. But this has been already now. I guess maybe, oh my goodness, maybe already a year ago, we went—we went back through and kind of uh, got rid of some dead weight and some some links that didn't work anymore and what have you. Mm-hmm um well you know i've been i've been in this uh in this crime fiction game since i guess i've been published since ninety four yeah so ninety four so what is that twenty six years whatever that, yes, however many 26 years,
0: years 26. Right? so however
1: many years that is and so somewhat so you know you tend to accumulate quite a few things and, and mm-hmm. not not just n- novels but you know i've i've published a good many uh short stories as mm-hmm. well as uh edited several anthologies so that stuff is just sort of accumulated over time so i guess to some extent i suppose the website represents that
0: that's how i know a writer's writer when you're you're into the anthologies you know
1: yeah yeah exactly
0: (laughs) because you know we all start out at least so many of us i shouldn't be presumptuous but many of us start out not really drawn to short stories until we really start getting our teeth into the art of the writing and then we realize it really is all about the short story. That's where the novels come from.
1: No, you're right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, could, I, couldn't, I could not agree more. Absolutely. And also, I might, I might add that for me, the short stories are a way to sometimes experiment a little bit and, and uh, yeah. change up the form and uh, fool around with point of view and things like things I might not do in a novel or things I might not be able to sustain in a novel. Exactly. I, uh, yeah, yeah. I think you can... You and can, they're you a can way for,
0: for writers to me- communicate with each other, too. Exactly. Um, I find, like, this is how we, we kind of network, and we're like birds in the trees. This is how we talk to each other. Right. From our short stories, you know? Exactly. It's like Our calling cards, yeah. That,
1: that's right. That's true.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So anybody who uh, wants to get to know Gary Phillips a little better, please look up some of his short stories. Where, <laughs> where have they appeared? Give us a couple of... Uh,
1: well, that's a, that's a good... That's a, I have a good segue uh, for that, Donna. Uh, it just so happens, uh, currently, there are, I believe, three anthologies that are out now that have a short story of mine. Uh, one is called uh, The Faking of the President, uh, 19 Stories of White House Noir,
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, a little timely or what <laughs> yeah
1: exactly exactly uh so that actually came out uh, a few a couple of months ago from three rooms press uh, uh in new york and uh and so it's been doing quite well in fact they got a lovely write-up i believe in uh last week's uh or last weekend's uh, new york times uh, book review uh, okay. so i have a short story in that i have a short story that just came out in another, or, or I have a short story in, in an anthology that just came out called Low Down Dirty Vote 2.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, okay. uh, see a certain theme in my trend. Certain,
0: yeah, trend, trend. <laughs> uh,
1: now, that just came out from, uh, uh, from uh, uh, Berry Press, and, uh, and that, as the, as the name suggests, all the stories have to do with. Actually, all the stories have to do with sort of protecting the vote and voter suppression efforts and what have you uh, in this country in the states, and uh, and and in that case, the, the proceeds from that book I believe are to go to uh, benefit the Southern Poverty Law Center, which helps to fight against voter suppression efforts. Okay,
0: okay, so that's uh-huh. really good cause. Tell me the title of that one again. It's Low Down Dirty Vote Two, is it?
1: That's it. Low Down Dirty Vote Two.
0: Okay, because you know you got to repeat things for listeners, eh?
1: Exactly. No, that's good. That's right. That's good.
0: The first one is, the first one was um,
1: the faking of the president.
0: Faking of the president. Yeah.
1: S- second one now is low down dirty vote two, good. and the third the third and last one, uh, uh, bringing up the rail, uh, uh, is uh, uh, oh even I'm blanking on. No, I, I've got it. Uh, uh, Stop the world snapshots from a pandemic. How about that? Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which is what we're doing. You know, this is all it, about the it, pandemic.
1: That's right. That's exactly. All about the pandemic. Are exactly. The
0: catch writers where they live, you know?
1: Yeah, <laughs> now, that, I, I'll you, now, I'll tell you this, Donna, in that case, in that particular uh, anthology, the, the Stop the World uh, Snapshots from a Pandemic anthology, this, this gets back to our short story discussion, or it's all about short stories. Uh, in that short story it's not a crime short story it is more of a kind of twilight zone short story because I had because I, again I wanted to play with it a little bit and because it had to be really a short short story it wasn't it couldn't be it came out to be a little more than 2,000 words which is pretty short mm-hmm. uh uh and so in that case I want that fool with some notions of a more of a science fiction kind of nature and so that's what uh that's what the story is that I did for that. For I that, love, right? Twilight I,
0: yeah. I love Twilight Zone. Yeah, love Twilight Zone. Exactly. You know, I, I really encourage our kids to go back and look at some of the Twilight Zone because this is how you write a short story.
1: Exactly. You know, exactly.
0: Really, how you do it, isn't it? That's
1: right. That's true. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Mm-hmm. And so, give them that. And give them. And give them that grabber ending.
0: Exactly. Every right. single time, right. and memorable. Because yes. you know, I would have just been. I would have just been a baby watching. I'm not trying to pretend I'm young. I'm not young. <laughs> <laughs> even so, even though I'm not young, I still would have just been a baby watching uh, Twilight Zone. Exactly. Exactly. All these years. That's
1: know? right. That's right. Exactly. That's right.
0: So that's there how you, you grab them, for sure. That's how you that's grab them. writer's tip for today. you, you got to go. leave them with a hook. Yeah? There
1: you go. That's it. That's right. There you go, Donnelly. Okay, kids. There's your lesson for today. There. That's it. That's yeah. it. That's yeah,
0: exactly. So stop yeah. the world.
1: Stop the world. Snapshots from a pandemic.
0: Perfect. I yes. love that. I love yeah. that. What I've been trying to do with uh, this season of Dead to Rights is really just catch writers where they live because we're all we're all shut down with this pandemic, and uh, right. I thought you know let's let's capture it somehow. Let's yeah. record it and you know get it out there. So there you that's really wonderful. You've got the three anthologies coming out, and you've got uh, Matthew Henson. And uh, why did you choose? I've got a question list here. All right. Enough. (laughs) (laughs) You may recognize some of these questions. (laughs) Okay, so now I'm going to ask you, and you may recognize some of these questions. Why did you choose Matthew Henson for the myth treatment?
1: Yeah, I I think... um... Well, you know, as we, as we mentioned before, you know, uh, we, we, we go in for the myth treatment here in America in a big way, particularly for... Uh, our...
0: Quentin Tarantino,
1: yeah. Yes, yeah, think Quentin Tarantino or even just think, you know, heroes of the Old West, you know, Wild Bill Hickok or uh, or Annie Oakley, all of them are, you know, became became larger in life, you know, as the dying novels and the penny dreadfuls uh, flourished, right? Mm-hmm. Deadwood Dick. Uh, actually, several cowboys, several cowboys, black and white, used the name Deadwood Dick. Uh, and so I think, thinking about that and then thinking about I, I wanted to somehow do a pulp novel. I, like I said, I've done several uh, sort of pulp or new pulp short stories, but I hadn't and I'd done a novella, but I, I really kind of wanted to see, well, all right, I, let's see if I can really do the form in, in a long, long, long form kind of way. Mm-hmm. And for some reason or another, uh, and I've known about Matthew Henson, I guess, since I was a kid, uh, also, understanding that Matthew Henson never got the accolades uh, that would do him, I thought, well, who's who's better suited for uh, you know this mythic uh, this mythic treatment than uh, than Mr. Henson? And so I kind of once I got to that, then I read his book, which had been published in 1912, uh, you know, post he and Perry and the, the four Inuit uh, gentlemen reaching the North Pole. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's actually called A Negro at the North Pole. And it's not really a memoir. It's really kind of just his his recounting of that time. It's a fairly uh, sanitized, not quite the word I use, but fairly tame in its telling. So then as I do a little bit more research, sure enough, I encounter a a kind of Hinsonologist. He was a um, professor, he was a hard science professor at Harvard. But he was something, he was a big Henson fan. His name was S. Allen Counter. Mm -hmm. And Professor Counter wrote a book called, I think it's called Black, White, and Eskimo. And in that book, he tells the tale, which apparently was, I guess, somewhat of an open secret. It turns out that both Perry and uh, Henson had uh, Inuit children. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they're long, very long nights there in the North Pole.
0: Well, yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, uh, and so, so once I knew that, and in and, and Encounter's book, he actually goes back up to Greenland and finds these, I mean, at that point, this is in the 1980s, and these guys, the sons are in their 80s, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but he finds them, and he brings them back to be feted in the, in the United States, and what have you, but anyway, but then also in, in his book, he kind of goes more into what actually Henson went through. Uh, on those, you know, it was like it was like the eighth expedition when they finally reached the pole. So there was a lot of effort mm-hmm. to try to reach the pole. So with that in mind, and plus then one great thing that I knew I could use for the pulp aspect, and this is true, this is also true, they they brought back from uh, that village in Greenland this massive uh, meteorite. That had crashed there. They figured it crashed there about ten thousand years ago, because when they were when they were first in the village, they saw that the, uh, uh, the Inuit men and, and you know were making their spears and, and what have you and axes, but they were used, They had iron, but there's no iron deposits in that part of uh, you know of the of the territory, and so they so they but but Henson, who also spoke uh, several of the Inuit languages. Uh, found out about the meteorite, and, and so they bring this meteorite, or pieces of this meteorite, this massive meteorite, back to the states, which helped, which helped to fund further expeditions. But once I knew that, once I had that element, as mm-hmm. the along with the other elements, I thought, well, this is great. This can make a fascinating. I can I can spin this into a fascinating yes. yarn. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. You got you got your hook there. That's really uh yeah. that's really a fascinating element for it. Yeah. Exactly. But I take issue, though. The North Pole is in Canada, isn't it? Is it? All right, whatever heck it is. I was told. I was always told that we were the home of Santa.
1: <laughs> All right, there we go. That's Probably
0: it. the the people in Greenland were told the same thing. I'm sure.
1: Exactly. That's it. That's right. That's it. I, I get, I actually, I think you know what? I actually think Greenland is is uh, the territory of Denmark.
0: Yes, it
1: is. Yeah, it's territory Denver. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah.
0: There, there you, you go. go. There you go. Um, yeah. How much? Well, you've already talked about the research, so I don't know that I need to ask you that again. <laughs> but uh, uh, Are there any other things that you had to look into to develop this?
1: Oh, you know, uh, uh, Donna, uh, because I'm using, uh, uh, in some cases, characters I created, in some cases like Dutch Schultz and Queenie St. Clair, I'm, I'm fictionalizing them, but they were real people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and I had some familiarity with uh, Queenie St. Clair. I had some familiarity with Bessie Coleman, uh, the, the, the aviator, uh, because actually I have, I have a great book on Gangsters of Harlem, so Queenie's in that book. And then I have mm-hmm. a, a kind of a kid's book that my kids had years ago for uh, Bessie Coleman. And so, and then Tesla. Well, kind of everybody knows Tesla, or everybody bl- knows the myth of Tesla. I guess that's even a better way to describe right. it, right? Uh, and so, with that, I, I kind of felt comfortable, and, and with, even with Dutch Schultz, I, you know, I did did some digging into it uh, uh, using a couple other books. And so, once I once I sort of assembled my notes and had some comfortability with uh, the characters, and also knowing that I was going to depart from their actual. Lies, but but some of this is but some of this is actually based on on accurate uh, or things that actually happen.
0: They have to to springboard from from the reality.
1: That's right. Then they can go
0: off into any direction you like. But precisely, it's that reality grounding that kind of makes them so fascinating.
1: I think so. I agree. I I I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. So exactly. So you know, in the end, you certainly can't use this book as, as. as a historical document, and I don't want you to, (laughs) it is definitely a novel, but, but maybe you'd be interested in reading about some, some of these folks in their real lives, you know. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, that's the thing, that's the thing, to bring you back so that you do the research yourself, too. Exactly. Um, okay, now, underlying theme.
1: Well, I thought about that, because, you know, I guess that's the, the, the big literate uh, thing you're supposed to worry about in these books. Now, I probably,
0: uh-huh. I probably, I've never talked to me about theme. Actually, if I'm really honest <laughs> with you. now I have a thing about theme. I'm, okay. I'll preface before I let you answer. Yeah. For me, theme is theme is everything. Okay. But it's always mm-hmm. there, even if you don't know it's there as a writer, and you I like don't that. even need to know it's there as a reader. But yes. I think it's always there, and I think it kind of drives everything. So now let's hear what you say. I like it. Ah, well, I like yeah, it. I've I like it. You. <laughs> now that
1: you've cornered me, now that you've boxed me in, the, in, in uh, Donna. But, but, it's, but it just so happens, I'm glad you said that, it just so happens that, one, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Henson had an Inuit or half-Inuit son. Uh, and uh, in reality, in the real world, he never he never saw that son once he left the North. In my story, because I'm a grandpa and I think children are important um, in the book, what, what, you know, you always ask, what does the character want? What Henson wants? And I think this gets to the theme is he wants to get back to his son. He realizes that uh, he can't, he can't be an absentee father. I mean, that's not the word that they would use them, but mm-hmm. that's, that's the sentiment. Uh, and once I sort of put that in, and there's several parts of the book where we see he's, he's making efforts to, to, to get back to the North, uh, then I thought, okay, so then the theme is really about family. The theme really is about reuniting. And once that then was there, and like you said, even though I don't, there's nothing, I mean, except for the fact that he's, like, he's trying to get back to his son, there's not a lot of overt indications of that, but I think you're right. It really or actually I, I know you're right. It really helped me then to figure out in certain scenes what Henson might say or what he might do only because in his mind, he knows he wants to he, he he's gotta survive because he's gotta get back. To yeah. see the kid. In this point, the kid is not a kid. He's a, he's, a, well, he's a kid. He's a teenager, but he's got to get back to see it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And maybe, maybe discussions of things seem a little highbrow for people and that's why they don't really talk about it anymore. But maybe a better way to, to, to maybe a better word to pin on it is drive.
1: Yes, I like that. Characters, Right, that's right.
0: It really is you know, yeah. going to be the underlying theme of your right. story because right. it appears in every exchange.
1: That's right. That's a good point. That's a very good point. And the, and the notion of you know, not every exchange is people yelling or sh- shouting at each other, but every exchange, you kind of want to have a bi- little bit of tension underlying there to make it, yes. right, make it, you know, our characters are two different people, so they want something that's not necessarily always the same thing.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great answer. Thank you very much for that, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> it
1: was a good setup. A good setup.
0: Now the last thing, the last thing on my question list, and you see, I'm not lying. I have a question. Oh,
1: I believe you. I believe
0: you. The last thing on my question list is, uh, what is your writing routine?
1: I, uh, you know, uh, it used to be. It used to be. Uh, when I had a, a nine to five job, which has been some time ago, but when I had a nine to five job and I was a younger man and the kids were small, I mean, my grandson's small now, but my kids' kids were small. Uh, I'd come home at night and uh, and I had, I worked as a, uh, I don't know if you call them this in Canada, but anyway, you know, community organizer and I worked in nonprofits and what have you, social change organization, I guess that's the best way yes. to say it. Yeah. And, uh, and so did my wife. And so sometimes this would trade off about who was getting home at what time at night. But when I would come home at night and maybe the kids are in bed or I help put them to bed or read them a story and what have you, I might work from, uh, you know, 10 uh, p.m. at night to maybe 2 in the morning and go oh to bed and get Lord. up. Oh, yeah, and do it all over again. Now, now, of course, I'm, it's like, luck, I'm lucky if I'm awake uh, at ten uh, PM at night, right?
0: Okay. So, yeah. 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 Let alone try to do. Nothing to do with different our different. age, people. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
1: exactly. Uh, so my routine now is, and, and and also because I've 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 you know been somewhat blessed, I think, in the last few years to uh, have uh, income derived from my writing, and as well as I've I've worked a little in TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get up in the morning. And I write, mm-hmm. and for instance, right now i 'm working on a book, another book, and usually my my goal is to meet my uh quota for the day, usually the quotas around yeah twelve hundred mm-hmm. maybe but today I got fifteen hundred words, but usually that 's it, right between twelve hundred and fifteen hundred words, so what is that four and a half five pages, maybe double space mm-hmm. uh if and, and i hit if I hit the mark uh some days as you know uh the the words flow as if. Oh, yes. You know, it's as if the angels novel. were exactly <laughs> right. It's exactly it was just writing itself. The angels were just speaking the words to me, and I and I'm I'm merely their 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 conduit upon uh-huh. which uh, you know, the page. And the other days, it's like I'm I'm carving each frigging word in stone. It's not. It's yes. just you know.
0: Yeah. So. <laughs> I try to erase it off stone. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> well, exactly. So uh-huh. so there so there it is. So there it is. So I meet. I I try to meet the the goal. Uh, and then, uh, well, I was going to say, then I then I go out and play. Well, you don't go out and play. There's nothing to go out and play with now, uh, given given the lockdown or re-lockdown here in California. Um, but then I, I just, you know, or I go read something or I, or I start working on something else. And, and so that's usually my routine. But my routine specifically is to try to make my count, try to make my, my yeah, to try to make the word count each day.
0: Yeah, that's very disciplined, Gary, very disciplined. Yeah. And uh, it's funny because... Almost all the writers that I talk to have a discipline of some kind. Right. Like they really do. And you can't do this. You can't do this with any kind of fortitude if you don't have that discipline.
1: I agree. Absolutely yeah. agree. Yeah. And, even if, and even if it means you don't make the count each day, that's okay. You, you're, you, as we know, it's, it's about consistency. You got to just keep yes. hitting it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's
0: about consistency, just like yeah. exercising. Exactly. You know?
1: exactly. Same thing.
0: It's about consistency, you know.
1: There now, you go.
0: going, going away from the list. I've got some questions of my own. Here. Oh, sure. sure. <laughs> absolutely. Who are your favorite writers?
1: Uh, uh, well, that's an easy answer because I'm just going to name dead people uh, because I don't want to get in trouble. No, with they, can't yeah. they
0: can't argue. <laughs> they can't
1: argue and and I don't get in trouble because they're not here. Right. <sighs> uh, so it's funny. I just, I just did something where I had to not quite answer that, but this one, I'll just give three, I guess. And so one is uh, Dashiell Hammett because he was Dashiell Hammett and he's the godfather. Dashiell
0: Hammett is the name I was trying to come up with earlier. But
1: okay, there we go. Because he's, yeah. he, he's the godfather of, of, of the Private Eye novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you would, and the second answer, uh, second writer, and you wouldn't necessarily see it in my work, and I believe he has Canadian roots, uh, would be uh, Ross MacDonald, uh, whose real name was Kenneth Millar, right? uh, he was born in California, but I think his folks, or one of his folks is from Canada. Uh, and the Lou Archer books, which I stumbled upon as a, I guess, as a teenager in my early teens or in my early twenties, uh, just, they still, they I don't know. They, they're just something about his telling of the stories and I don't know, the psychological underpinnings in, in the stories and what have you talk about theme, right? Uh, just, just, we uh, just such a masterful storyteller. Mm-hmm. And then third, uh, Only because I was thinking about him, or thinking about about him recently was, um, I guess maybe he's not that well read today, Uh, but there was a a black American writer named Chester Himes. And he wrote a series of, uh, he moved to France at one point, and he actually wrote a series of novels set in Harlem uh, with his his two plainclothes cops, uh, Coffin Ed Johnson and Gravedigger Jones. Oh, I love it! Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Cotton Comes to Harlem. Got more and
0: more
1: than that. More <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. Uh, Cotton Comes to Harlem. All shot up. Uh, several other uh, blind man with a pistol. But he, and his stories are really weird. I mean, and, and it's and it's funny because the Harlem he wrote about was a Harlem he didn't really he never really lived in Harlem, but he just sort of wrote about it as a sort of weird and strange place. And his stories are weird and strange and very absurdist in in, in some ways. Uh, and so, uh, uh, so I always was fascinated with just the way he told the story and the way he had these weird, quirky characters doing odd, quirky things. Uh, and so I've been thinking about him recently because I have read him some years ago. But I'm thinking about you know picking up one of his books and, and rereading it uh, rereading yeah.
0: it now. well, there's a think. big draw for quirk right now they're really yeah I mean, everybody's everybody's looking for it, and the truth of the matter is I can understand that like i I'm really drawn to the random you know yes um I have this fantasy where I write this complete novel where every short chapter just is randomly cut off and leads to the next random oh thing. very nice. Last yeah, I, I don't like know that. whether it's uh, all that, yeah. means because I haven't done it yet. You know? Yeah. All right. <laughs> but uh, I just—it's uh, just a thought that's been kind of right.
1: Well, that sounds good.
0: Circulating for a while, and uh, yeah, you know, because yeah. that's kind of the way things are sometimes.
1: Right, right. You I like that.
0: You're going right. to check the mail and yeah. walk down the street, and boom, a car comes out of nowhere, and you know. Yeah. And yeah. way leads on to way, so.
1: Very good. I like that. Yeah, you got to yeah. do that. Yeah I, do.
0: yeah, I don't know whether it's uh you know worth spending the time on, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it just it just uh, intrigues me you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, it'd be like Jerry Seinfeld where he says uh, it's a it's a, what is it? It's a show about nothing.
1: Oh right, that's it. That's it.
0: <laughs> so that's why I'm not sure it's worth any investment. <laughs> well, but you know, I right know. I don't know whether it could go anywhere. Um, so, Gary, uh, you said that you're working on a novel now. What is it?
1: Uh... The novel I'm working on now is is another novel set in the past, but this one is not a pulp novel. This is definitely much more a mystery story. Mm-hmm. It's set in Los Angeles in 1963. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was a very specific time period, uh, but very, very specific time within the time period, which is to say... It's set uh, in April of that year because uh, Martin Luther King came to Los Angeles. He'd been to Los Angeles several times before, but he particularly came to Los Angeles at that point to um, help raise money for what would become what would be the March on Washington in August. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in my story, my protagonist uh, is uh, yet another character loosely based on a real life person. He's a freelance photographer. You ever heard of a character named Ouija? Beaver, no. is kind of famous because he was this guy, Arthur, what was Arthur's last real name? Anyway, he was in the, in the thirties and forties in New York city. He was a crime photographer okay. and he kind of almost lived out of his car, but he had like a mobile, uh, uh photo developing lab set up in his trunk and he would always arrive at the scene because he had police scanners going in his apartment and he would take these gruesome, you know, pictures of, of yes. dead bodies and, and what have you. Right. And in fact, there's a, there's a, there's a movie with uh, Joe Pesci. I forget the yes. title of the movie. Yes. From some years ago where he's, he's, the character he plays is based on this character. Yes. Right. So, so taking that sensibility of Ouija, I, I imbued, imbued my character, uh, Harry Ingram, in L.A. with that. So he's a kind of a crime photographer guy. And, and what, of course, he stumbles on upon is he, when he's going to take shots when, when, or take pictures when uh, King comes to town because King spoke at a big uh, uh, mm-hmm. Stadium, big rally, uh, but of course, what he stumbles onto is that somebody's out to kill Dr. King, and that's what he—that's uh, what he gets involved in. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: that sounds yeah. pretty fascinating. No, when, so. when do you expect that'll be? Uh, you know? Well, it's
1: it's 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 under contract, so I have to turn it in at some point, and uh, <laughs> uh, hopefully, well, the way it works now in public, who knows? Everything is messed up because of the virus, but. I probably won't be out till later part of next year.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, does it have a title yet or uh, work?
1: Yes. Out? One shot Harry.
0: One shot Harry. Okay. Yeah. So you have to look yeah. for that in twenty-one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. There we
0: go. All right. Yeah. Gary, thank you very much. You're just a wonderful interview. I really enjoyed that and having you on Dead to Rights. Well well, I appreciate it so
1: much. It's been it's been a real blast. dusty road, a man alone, his vital signs go on hold, and I don't know what you've been told, but the
0: years have turned my eyes gold, and I told you what you told me, which Never be in the same boat for free, yet it rides.
1: Let it ride.